Cisco, meet the Cisco. He is Bajor's emissary from the Federation and a modern Starfleet family. Shut up, Wesley. Well done. <laughs> well done. Very good. I should probably work on expanding that song somehow, but yeah. <laughs> I, I want to do a whole series of rewrites of Star Trek classic TV theme songs as Star Trek songs, you know? Well, there was something I heard a few years back where it was it was uh, songs that they were sung, sung by Vulcans. And one of they were song titles. And one of them was um, this this celebration is held at my bequest, and I will be morose if I choose to. <laughs> it's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one more. Um, these leather moccasins were made for forward locomotion. You know, these boots are made for walking. <laughs> Welcome to the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Intrepid Podcast, exploring all of your fun fan film favorites. Joining me in the studio today, we have our fearless leader and host and guru extraordinaire, Adam Mullen. Hello. And our special guest today is Gary Davis. Hello. And I am Bill Allen, a.k.a. the guy in the red shirt. Don't worry about me. I probably won't make it through the whole episode. <laughs> do we have any news? I'm trying to think. It's raining in Ohio. That's the best, best news I can do. <laughs> it's also raining in Maryland, which makes me wonder if maybe there's a whale probe nearby, if it's raining everywhere. <laughs> it's raining in Oregon. Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. It's, oh, it's raining in all three places. Whale probe, whale probe. Yep. Who taught Trip Tucker how to dance the two-step? Uh, was it his brother, his sister Elizabeth, his Aunt Millie, or an ancestor of Beverly Crusher? That was submitted by Steve Atwell. <laughs> All right. Shall we uh, go to the interview? Sure. Okay. So question number one. When did you first get into Star Trek? Oh, my goodness. You know, that, I think that was when um... – I was a small kid. Um, you know, I, we used to go visit my grandmother, who um, I was back in the, the the 70s, and she had cable, so I was able to watch this 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 Star Trek show, and uh, immediately fell in love with it. And I think I really liked to go see my grandmother uh, a lot. My parents were surprised, and I said, well, I also want to see that Star Trek show. But uh, yeah, I was in love with that ever since I was a kid. So, which is your uh, your favorite series and film? Uh, my favorite series is, ha, has to be original series. You know, there there would be no Star franchise without the original series. And uh, my favorite film um, has, has got to be Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Um, you know, I was very, 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 very wowed when Star Trek: The Motion Picture came out, but kind of underwhelmed when it came to substance. And then uh, one day I saw the 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 preview for Star Trek II. And I was just awed. And to this day, I could, I could sit down and just watch the thing from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. So how does uh, Star Trek Discovery compare to the original series for you? It's, 
it's Star Trek. You know, it, it's I, – I really enjoy it. I, I know that it takes a lot of liberties with canon and it takes a lot of liberties with what's already established, but mm-hmm. um, it's Star Trek. So, I, you know, I really enjoy it. And I like how they throw – the homages and the the nods toward the original series and the other series, you know, the, the list of captains that they that they put out uh, was just mm-hmm. that was that was a geek moment. And I go, yeah, they got they, they listed uh, Captain Decker and, mm-hmm. and Captain Pike, so that was that was really 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 good. I, I mm-hmm. think the franchise is in, in good hands with with them. It's not everybody's trek, but it, it's trek, and mm-hmm. I enjoy it. So Gary. What about Star Trek inspired you to make your own productions? Oh, wow. Well, that goes back to, to 2012. Um, I had a, a friend of mine named Frank Parker who was involved in making fan films at uh, Farragut, what, what was at that time Farragut Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to, we were in a Star Trek club called Starfleet. And we were at a, a regional conference of Starfleet. And he goes, Gary, you, you got to come watch this. And he set up a projector and a laptop, and I saw my first episode of of uh, Starship Farragut with John Broughton and company. Mm-hmm. And I was just awed. And you know, this was their early, early production where they only had their, their bridge, and they did a lot in the uh, on a planet. I think they went back in time and they saw they they got a group of folks who did Revolutionary War reenactments. So the story revolved around them going back in time, meeting George Washington. And I just thought that was the most awesome thing that I'd ever seen. And uh, Frank was just a a background character and uh, helping do the sets at Farragut Studios. And, and he approached me uh, the next year in 2013 and said, hey, would you like to be involved in a Star Trek fan film? And he says, you can be my XO. And he says, do you happen to have any stories? that we could use and coincidentally you know when i was in in high school i used to write a lot of short stories and uh, i said yeah i think i've got a, a good story that i could alter and uh it was called who haunts this ship and i gave it to frank and uh then he gave it to somebody for a story treatment and before we knew it we had haunted and it was it took a lot from my original story and and uh I was just hooked, you know. When he said I could come down and walk the walk the um, the, the corridors of these these sets. By that time, Farragut Studios had fleshed out where they had the the full um, uh, corridors and all the rooms, and um, I, I was just hooked. You know, my my very first experience in fan films. You know, we you shoot a fan film or you shoot any film out of order. It doesn't take place. The story goes. They said, well, let's, let's shoot the bridge scene today. And we had two scenes, and I got to sit in the captain's chair for six hours. And it was the most surreal, awesome experience I've ever had. Even though it was 40 degrees and our, our noses were running, and, <laughs> and it was just a, uh, it was miserable. It was the best time of my life. And, I, and, and after that, I, I had the bug. I go, I, I'd like to do this. This is enjoyable. And so that's when you came up with Dominion Media? That came a little bit later. Um, Frank Parker uh, bowed out of the production uh, even before we released the first um, Haunted. Matter of fact, we also recorded a uh, a prequel to that, Anchors Away. So um, after Frank bowed out and didn't want to be a part of the project anymore, uh, Randy Wren 
and myself said, hey, well, what do we do? And uh, he says, well, we want to teach ourselves how to do this. And we formed Dominion Media. Mm-hmm. And uh, between the two of us, you know, we had to learn everything. So, you know, we had to learn Adobe Premiere Pro. We had to learn scoring. We had to learn sound. We had to learn editing. And, and we cut our teeth on uh, Anchors Away and, and, um, and, and Haunted. That's where uh, Dominion Media started. So what productions do you currently have being made right now? Uh, we're, we're branching out. We've got audio productions. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, I mentioned my original story from high school, who haunts this ship. Mm-hmm. So I turned that into an audio drama and now I'm just calling it the haunting. And, uh, it, it bears a little resemblance to the dreadnought dominion story, but fundamentally it's totally different. So I really wanted to see it produced. So I got some fine actors and actresses to, to voice the parts and, uh, I've taken all my experience in editing and uh, doing my own rendering for, you know, the exteriors and the ships. And uh, I'm turning it into what I call an illustrated audio production. Mm-hmm. So there's a little of eye candy to look at as well as listening to these great actors and actresses who just who bring life to lines that I wrote in high school. You know, that was a long time ago. I'm 53. So, you know, I wrote these when I was 16 and 17 years old. Wow. And to hear a professional actors and actresses, well, I, I call them professional. They just, they're just, and saying things that, you know, I've, you know, I've read these things myself, you know, many, many times over the years. And to hear them actually voice it, um, it I was just freaking giddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you got to be awesome. So I've got that, and that's called. Uh, Excalibur logs, and uh, so far it's going to be a one-off. I'm not sure if we're going to do another one. Um, I've been working on this for over a year, just redrawing um, things and rendering things. Hmm. And then uh, Randy has his own audio production, and he calls it um, a Star Trek Outlaws, mm-hmm. which is an interesting premise where a, uh, a, a Q from the Next Generation, you know, he grabs. He grabs the USS Constellation from the original series right before it goes into the Doomsday Machine, and he throws it across the galaxy, and a group of of renegades get it, and you know he fixes it up and he has a little Star Trek adventure. So it's a little out of the the norm, you know, it's Star Trek, but it's not really Star Trek. It's a bunch of people that have never heard of the Federation, but they're on a Constitution class starship, mm-hmm. you know, fighting their 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 war against a, a different empire. So it's it's really interesting. So Randy again, he gets a lot of people involved in doing the audio, and it is an illustrated audio production. Um, he draws all the things for that. Yeah, I've listened to the uh, first couple of episodes of that. I really enjoy it. I I, I kind of like the the st- stories that are they're Star Trek that isn't yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, it it's that's the only way to describe it, and it's it's. It's just interesting. Randy's just really talented. I mean, he just comes up with so many ideas, and so he is the the, the creative uh, writing arm of, of Dominion Media. And then, of course, we've got Dreadnought Dominion. So, you know, we've got um, a, we got uh, several scripts. I think Randy, if he had his way, we'd be we'd be producing Dreadnought Dominion Dominion for like uh, ten years. He's got so many scripts. <laughs> 
we've we've got one in the pike that um we're just waiting for a studio to become available so that we can shoot it mm-hmm. and uh it brings uh captain Rousseau, you know, my character onto the ship as the captain for the first time um but i wanted to do something a little bit different and what we're we're doing with this one is it's it's an homage to fan film creators and um i don't want to throw too many hints on how this is going to work but it, it's going to be a little bit different than your normal fan film and uh we're, we're hoping to be able to shoot that in the coming months and how many episodes of dread dreadnought dominion do you have uh we've got um we had two episodes and two vignettes and then We've got one more, uh, actually two more, because with, with the fan film production, uh, I mean guidelines, we had to split it in two. Uh, we've got we got two more episodes, fifteen minute episodes in in the works. That for sure we we want to do. Okay, so of all your productions, which one's your favorite? Oh, my favorite would it it, it have to be Dreadnought Dominion because um, how well. What else could be on your face? I get to play the captain. <laughs> I get to sit in the chair. I mean, it's it's motivated me so much that I'm actually making my own chair. Um, I, I just reproduced the, uh, the 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 armrests for that Madison chair um, a couple weeks ago, so I'm putting the final touches on it. I've, I've made the Madison chair, upholstered it. So you know, that that tells you how much I love Dreadnought to me. I need to have that chair in my house so I can sit and I can watch Star Trek. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, your wife Tracy, right? Yes. She uh, she plays a character in Dreadnought Dominion. Uh huh. What what's that yeah. like? It was it, it, a surreal. I, I use that word a lot. Surreal experience for her because she you know, she was never exposed to Star Trek growing up. Um, my wife is deaf. Um, and she, uh, growing up, you know, she couldn't watch a lot of programs that didn't have closed caption, and Star Trek was one of those. And uh, now she has a cochlear. When we got married, we were able to get that surgery, so she can hear. And uh, now she watches Star Trek with me. And then when I said, "Hey, we're going to go make Star Trek," she says, "What do you mean we're going to make it?" <laughs> and she got on the set and uh, and wore. She was a nurse. In Dreadnought Dominion, you're haunted and uh, and um, uh, anchors away, and uh, she loved she loved the outfit. She just worried that it was a little bit too revealing. But <laughs> she really enjoys being in it. And, and uh, now I've drafted her as my communications officer. And uh, like I said, she's she's deaf, so she she speaks very well. But um, the, over the years, you know, she's learned pronunciations a lot, especially with the cochlear. So she has a hard time with the techno babble and and um, even you know uh, hailing frequencies and subspace. So we have to practice a lot, but she really enjoys it. Well, I really enjoy her performance in uh, Command and Conquer. I thought it yes. was it was it was really nice, and the the whole your whole uh, part of Command and Conquer was very tongue in cheek. It, it was it was funny. And it was it was very charming. Oh, thank you so much. We <laughs> we really worked hard and not to try to be too um, too strange, but I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to, to treat that you know like a like a classic mirror mirror episode, but still have some fun with it. Uh-huh. Uh, I even drafted my my younger brother. Uh, he was the 
the uh, the, the the steely-eyed security officer who was overseeing um, the uh, the agony booth. And <laughs> growing up, Star Trek just never appealed to him. You know, I was his weird big brother who just liked Star Trek. But um, I, I invited him on set, and we had his two kids with us. And you know, they're like um, uh, ten and eleven. And at first, I was worried that they were going to be too distracting, too noisy. But my gosh, they were the most professional people on the set. So they were they were looking through the camera and saying, "Uncle Gary, this is this is out of focus." And Uncle Gary, that that uh that uh that light needs to be moved. <laughs> and so I gave them cinematographer and and uh, and uh, best boy or, or, or grip because they move things around for them. And their their dad really enjoyed it. And he just said, uh, I, "I hope this part comes with Star Trek groupies." <laughs> so <laughs> so. Um, he had a he had a fun time just being a security officer. That's cool. So, what was it like for you playing the mirror universe uh, version of your character? Oh, it was awesome. And uh, you know, my wife made the, um, the the mirror mirror uniform for me. Um, very talented and by hand, not not with a sewing machine. And I just tried to get into character as best I could. So I grew out the goatee for um, a month. And uh, I thought it came out good, and I got the the tattoo, and <laughs> you put, I put the boots on the tattoo, and you, and you look in the mirror, and I just immediately felt mean. I go, this is this is awesome, and <laughs> I'm not an actor by any any stretch of the means, but um, you know I was trying to play the part a little contrary to how I would I would uh, respond to people. And the facial expressions, and uh, I had a monitor up so I could see what I was doing. Um, well, see being a relative term without my glasses, but uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. I mean, I could see why in real Star Trek they love doing Mirror Mirror Universe uh, productions because it's just so fun being bad. Mm -hmm. And just uh, I, I hope to revisit that and um, that that universe. I just I'm not looking forward to growing out that beard again because I'm, I'm a clean-shaven kind of guy. But uh, yes, I I just I loved playing my mirror mirror version. Do you have a uh, do you have an upcoming episode you want to do that that takes you back to the mirror universe? Not yet. Um, I might I might throw something in um, this this upcoming production. We're not we're not sure. We're just you know for a couple couple seconds. We're just not positive. But yes, I would love to go back and do something um uh, chain of command was just i mean command and conquer was just a, literally a, a mirror version of, of a chain of command mm -hmm. um, that's interesting and and by the way both those productions came from the mind of vance major mm -hmm. um he's the one that inspired us to do that i mean he came up with uh chain of command and then um you know that was my first thing that i actually did some rendering for so i learned a lot since then and then he came up he says hey do you want to do a uh um a mirror mirror and then we said let's let's just let's just flip chain of command over and reshoot it so uh, uh that was that was all his idea and, and he motivated me to make that agony booth and mm -hmm. and uh my co-worker uh, ryan rosal was the was the uh the torturee and he did a good job um, agonizing, and uh, we, we just we just had a, a great time with that. Great time with that. Bill, do you have any 
any questions you would like to ask? Yeah. Um, well, first, I just want to say that uh, Haunted, the first Dreadnought Dominion film, was one of the, the, the handful of fan films I actually watched before I got into doing this podcast. It was one of the ones I stumbled upon, and I thought it was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I figure it would be, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know the story was mostly, um, it was a really well done character piece, but I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the dreadnought design you guys used. Cause it's, sure. it's interesting in and of itself. Your, your shuttle bay is backwards for starters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's interesting. Um, so, um, now I know this was that the, the ship design was based on some of the the sketches from the like the technical manuals that came out in the 60s and 70s that the TOS style because I know you also had the, the the Saladin was in the background of one of the shots at the space dock and uh, you used a lot of varieties of ships like that um how much of what the final uh, dreadnought looked like was based on those classic drawings and how much was you guys taking those classic drawings as a starting point and just adding to it. Well, we had a, a very talented uh, renderer, Ken Thompson, and he used the actual drawings from the Franz Joseph technical manuals to, to do that render. So as far as I know, all of that was exactly the way that Franz Joseph meant it to be uh, from the technical manual. So we didn't take any creative license. And, and then Frank Parker um, he related that he even contacted uh, the family of Franz Joseph and got permission to use the, the dreadnought um, in our production. And I think they even credited him at the at, at the end of uh, a dreadnought Dominion. And then the Saladin, um, you know that Ken Thompson he has a fan film called the Sal the Starship Saladin if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So that's why that was there. And then we threw the the Farragut in there uh, as a nod to where, you know, they gave, they gave us our start. But, yeah, the Dreadnought, that totally came from the technical manual. Oh, okay, cool. Because, I mean, I, I, I see stuff like I, I don't have the money to buy an old technical manual like that. I'm just a poor tricky down on his luck. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I, I do like the design. It, it's pretty neat. You, you don't see many of those uh, Dreadnought-style ships these days and it's just interesting to get good looks at it and do you guys ever um sit around and uh talk tech and try to figure out why there's four deflector dishes and try to come up with explanations or is it just uh the ship doesn't matter it's about the story so we're just going to roll with it yeah yeah basically the latter i mean it's 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 something different you know frank parker um you know he chose the the dominion because we, we wanted to be different and um, matter of fact, we, we go back to our, our Star Trek fan club, Starfleet, Starfleet, and our our chapter was the Dominion. It was you know it was a it was the Dreadnought. So that was really what uh, motivated him to make the fan film about a Dreadnought. And we also decided to go against Starship Dominion because that seemed to be the vein that everybody was was going for on their fan films. So again, we were just trying to set out and be a little bit different. So that's why the production was Dreadnought Dominion and uh, just using a different style ship. The the interiors are all the same, basically, because, you know, the, you know, I, I think I've even read that the bridge, the bridge could, could be plug and play. So you just take that bridge module out and just put a different module in. Hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, 
that's that's why they have the same constitution type type uh, bridge. Cool. Yeah, it's a very smart design. I remember finding it because I was looking for I was just looking for something different for fan films, and I saw the title, and I was like, "Oh, Dreadnought Dominion! They're doing a DS9 story. I haven't seen a DS9 fan film." <laughs> And surprise! It surprise, something. and it was a very pleasant surprise. Let me tell you. Oh, thank you. We we all had a great time. None of us knew what we were doing, and um, it was uh, the, our director for Anchors Away was Mike Beddar, um, who plays um, the the XO and Starship Farragut, um, the most patient man in the universe. Because was, you know he took all these newbies and. Not only was patient with us, but coached us, coached us and got the performance that you got. So, you know, it, it, it wasn't Academy Award, but um, we just had a great time. And I think the directors of fan films, they don't get enough credit because, you know, those, you know, the actors have to be on, on, on stage and they have to be, you know, know their lines, but you know, the director has to know the vision of the writer know what needs to come out of that camera and has to coax the, the, the performances out of the performers. So uh, Mike Bednar for Anchors Away and, and Scotty Whitehurst uh, was our director for Haunted. I, again, uh, the director has to be on set for every single take. Without those two gentlemen, uh, we, we would never have what we have. And uh, they set the tone for when I direct myself because now Randy and I, we just have ourselves. So we just think, you know, what would Michael do? What would Scotty do? And so we just take our, our cues from them for our, our directoral um, ability. Are you uh, aiming to do more of the directing yourself, or are you happy just writing the stories and acting in them? I like producing. So they will will have a director for the next ones but I'm, I'm sure I'll have I'll have um, you know input on that and, and Randy's the, the writer um, I will massage his his uh, his writing sometimes and say hey I, I think Brissot would say it this way because that's how Gary would say it that's how I would say it um, but I I'm happy with with uh, the, the the acting and, and the post-production and, and the producing coming up with the ideas um, then the, the next Dreadnought Dominion episode was was my idea and uh which was was great coming up with the concept and um but the actual directing you know i will leave that to people that can, can do it better than me <laughs> okay okay so now I'm, I've, I've confused myself again at some point i thought you were the one who wrote haunted i wrote the original um story who haunts this ship and then Randy Wren took my story and he turned it into the script called Haunted. Okay. So I leave all I leave all the writing to Randy. Now the Excalibur logs uh, that I'm doing called Haunting uh, that that's it's that's totally my story I, uh, from from start to finish. But Randy he does all the writing for Dreadnought Dominion. All right, that's my only interruption for now. I'm sure I'll come up with something more <laughs> later. So I just want to say that what I really like about your audio dramas is that you have the illustrations that um that seems to be kind of unique i haven't really seen a whole lot like that and uh, it's it's pretty cool to have that visual component right you know i i, I see a lot of audio dramas that last 
uh, 45 minutes to an hour. And, you know, I'm sure that most of them are intending to, to listen to it in the car or, or um, listen to headphones while you're jogging. But um, I'm a computer guy. I'm a visual guy. I like to sit at my computer and, and do this kind of stuff. So um, that's what inspired me to do these. And that's why we call them illustrated audio drama. So that we, we want folks to, to, to watch these on television. You know, download them to their big screen TV. So we watch them on our big screen TV and go, oh, that's terrible. We need to change this. And, oh, you can see that little little error over there. So I obsess. And uh, that's why it's taken me a year to, uh, to to finish this Excalibur logs. I'm, I'm like half half through and uh, redraw this and render that. And uh, Randy kids me. He says, you know, you'll spend eight hours on five seconds of footage. I go, but... It's those five seconds that you string along the audio, the illustrated audio production that make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it'll hold people's attention and, and get you, get them through the, the hour that we're asking that they invest their time. Because, you know, we're not asking them to pay money. We're, we're not asking for accolades. We just want, we want them to watch the whole thing and then just give an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. That's our payment to, to entertain people. Mm-hmm. So how have the guidelines impacted your productions? Well, it, it um, time-wise, you know, the original uh, the original concept of episode three was going to be a forty-minute episode. Uh, so that, of course, put a kink in in that plan. And then um, it it did delay production quite a long time because you know at, at first people were just afraid to be involved in a fan production. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one of one of our our, our characters um, he even told me, he says, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to being involved in something that could be litigated. <laughs> you know, that was at the point where we didn't understand why, you know, CBS was, was uh, suing Axanar and, and uh, they, they, we thought that if you had any violation of the guidelines, you know, you were going to get called to the carpet. Uh, so, you know, after, you know, Star Trek News was able to continue and, you know, and then you know, we realized that they're guidelines. You know, we're not going to be uh, hauled into court for um, buying a shirt overseas instead of buying it from a Novos, which I did buy. I had to, I had to buy a Novos shirt just just to say I got one. So <laughs> it's it's awesome to wear to wear that. And um, but we still have our our other other handmade stuff. You know, because the guidelines uh, said that you can do that. And but if you know, please use uh, um, uh, actual. What, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, things that are the license. That have, yeah, li- yeah, licensed licensed products. So I did. So I went out and got me a a captain shirt, and uh, and that's licensed. And then you know, our props are from are from um, uh, Playmates and uh, you know the other provider, Diamond Select, or I think that's that's what it's called. But uh, we do our best. But the, the biggest guideline impact be the running time yeah so we just decided to take our 40 minute episode and pare it down to two distinct uh um, parts which coincidentally the story did follow something on the ship and followed something on the planet side so we were going to run those stories in tandem you know like like you know real real shows do you know shows bounce back and forth between two two action points so we just cut those up, and we'll just make those two separate adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than the, the delay and, and the people being, uh, 
very hesitant about you know being involved in fan films and the timelines. Very little has changed, but um, I'm hoping we can we can bring Dreadnought Dominion home because um, we like to cl- close out the story with that third episode. Mm-hmm. Shall we move uh, on to uh, answering the question of the week? Sure. All right. So the question was, who taught Trip Tucker how to dance the two-step? So was it A, his brother, B, no, not not a not dog bark, B, his sister Elizabeth, <laughs> C, his Aunt Millie, or D, an ancestor of Beverly Crusher? What do you think, Gary? Uh, I'm going to go with his sister. That, that, that's my gut. All right. How about you, Bill? Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing, and I think I even remember the episode where they told us about it. Well, Steve Atwell is a tricky guy. Uh, that's who uh, wrote this question. It's actually his brother, uh, and this is from uh-huh. the Enterprise episode Fusion. Yeah, it's tricky. We we do. Uh, he does talk about his sister Elizabeth, uh, and he does mention his brother, who doesn't have a name in the in the series. But yeah, it's it's his brother that taught him the two step. So, uh, wow. <laughs> sorry guys. Got You know that's that's two in a row that I've uh, gotten wrong here. Yeah, I it's think after Steve. three I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a bonus uh, follow up question. You ready for it? Sure. All right. So which relative of Trips died during the the uh, Zindi attack on Earth? That was his sister. That was his sister, yes. Yep, yeah, that was his sister Elizabeth as seen that's, in uh, The Expanse. That's, that's what I was thinking was that was the one because I remember him grieving over her and I could have sworn he said something like she was the one that taught me how to two-step or something like that, but he was talking about why he missed her and how close he was and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's tricky. Bill, did you want to do your lightning round? I totally forgot. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Yeah, sure. All right, first question. What's cooler, Spock's beard or Riker's beard? Spock's beard. All righty. Uh, if Kirk had a tattoo, what would it say? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm drawing a complete blank. <laughs> All right, was there any fine print on your tattoo when you were in Mirror Universe? No, it was it was just a cool design, yeah. You didn't put like a hidden message on it or something like really, really fine print. Um, <laughs> Objects in mirror idea. are eviler than they appear or something. <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, how many, if you were to redesign a more powerful dreadnought, how many nacelles would you put on it? Oh, three is enough. Yeah. <laughs> four, four would be a pain. You wouldn't go for a four banger? Oh no, that's just that's just one more thing you have to take care of when you break down. Yeah. If you got split in two by a transporter accident the way Kirk did, uh, would you go? How would you be split? Would it be good and evil, or would it be one who likes Star Trek and the other one who likes Star Wars? What would your weird split be if you were in Kirk's transporter accident? Oh goodness, Pro- probably one that's a neat freak and one that's a slob, and I'd be the slob. <laughs> <laughs> That way my wife couldn't complain. Because <laughs> you like TOS. Did, did you enjoy the, 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 the remake movies from 2009 at all or no? Yeah, I, I did. You know, I, again, I, I don't I don't 
subscribe to. It has to be like the original series. So it's 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 a different Star Trek, but it's still Star Trek. But yeah, I really enjoyed those. And I hope they make some more. All right. So here's the last lightning round question. And now that I cleared that up, and I should have asked that earlier. I'm sorry. Um, you know, if you had to drive one of Kirk's cars, would you drive the 1930s Roadster from a, a piece of the action, or would you want to drive the classic Mustang? Oh, the classic Mustang for sure. And I'm sure somewhere some car guy says it was a 1966 as an homage to the series, and it was a 1937 Studebaker Deluxe XL something or other. Because <laughs> guys know their cars, and I don't know from cars. They got four wheels and an engine. All right, well, that's the lightning round for you. <laughs> so, Gary, uh, of the three yeah. uh, the three alternate universe movies, the three Kelvin universe movies, which one's your favorite? Of the Kelvin universe, um, uh, I really like Beyond, um, the latest one. Um, yeah. I, I know it was they, – they destroyed the Enterprise again, but uh, – <laughs> again. For but, real this um, time. I, I really like that. I, I think that the, the character Kirk is, um, is, is growing and more to be like our, uh, our Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he goes through a lot, but uh, I really enjoyed seeing his progression through the through the through the movie. So yeah, Beyond was the best one I think so far. Uh, which one's your favorite character of the three films? Uh, the three films, um, I'd I'd have to go with Kirk again. No, I, I take that back. I want McCoy. McCoy's a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I take it back. McCoy. McCoy is my favorite, especially when he when he was talking about Spock in the breakup and just. You know, when, if it's a breakup, it's it's always you. you yeah. <laughs> that's you on the show. It's always you. McCoy <laughs> so, is my favorite. If if you saw the Dominion uh, in the Kelvin universe, what do you think it would look like? Oh goodness gracious! I've seen renders of of what people would think that would be, and just just the Enterprise with those um, I, those engines are just something else um, <laughs> so, two of them are bad enough so three of them are like wow so uh, yeah i would i would say yeah cool but i wouldn't be as enthused as yeah. as a friend's joseph clap dreadnought yeah those those engines i mean i like the bigger engine i don't like the tail fin that kept getting bigger each movie <laughs> yes but I, I mean, I like the bigger engine. It was kind of a thing where you look at it and it's like, I know there's no sound in space, but those engines are so big. If you step on the gas, you'd hear them roar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Yes. And uh, uh, how does Into Darkness compare with The Wrath of Khan? Um, it, it's the same yet different. Um, yeah. I, Into Darkness was, was really interesting, especially with the, the flipping of the, the death scene. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting. But uh, Ricardo Montalban is Khan, mm-hmm. so it was hard to watch uh, Cumberbatch in that in that role. He, um, he's a I great think, actor, though. Oh gosh, yes. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, that's and one that always leaves me kind of dodgy on that one. I'm really not sure who's the better Khan, because I mean, classic Khan was written kind of just. One 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 dimensional, one directional, very not very, not much depth or substance or, or subtlety or nuance to him. And Ricardo Montalban took that and created a legendary icon out of it. Mm-hmm. The new con, oh, they tried yeah. to make him 
complex. They gave him some good things, some bad things. He cares about his people. They made all. They tried to write him a little bit better. So I don't know. I mean, Cumberbatch is a good actor, but if you gave Cumberbatch a, a poorly written role, would he make it awesome the way Montalban did? Mm-hmm. You could say he was complex. Yeah. Oh God, I could. And then, I, and then uh, I have another one. Uh, oh wait, no, I just forgot. Keep talking. I'll remember. <laughs> But that, I mean, it's like I know it hurts a lot of people's feelings because I mean I agree Star Trek Two is one of the best movies, but Khan as a villain was kind of uh, you know just a one trick pony. Yeah, you got to weigh the pros and the cons of it, huh? Oh, <laughs> that was my other one. You're welcome. And, and what's bad is I get the trivia questions wrong, so they're gonna boot me off the show. You know, he's making puns like that, and they're gonna give him a raise. <laughs> I can't complain. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I sorry. I, I have to. I got to get back to my computer and click my icon. Oh. oh. Well, with that, uh, shall we? Uh, shall we close? Before yes. This gets out of hand. I I don't know how to make a pun out of that. <laughs> it's already already out of hand. I really enjoyed this. This was this was a. A highlight of, of any any morning I've had in, in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I am very concerned by all these puns you guys are making. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, we we enjoyed having you on. Oh, thank you very much. Anything to say, Bill? Any other puns? <sighs> no, no, I shouldn't even have made that one. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Give me some time. I'm uh, I'm mulling it over. I'll come up with something. Oh my goodness! Thanks. You just made a pun off my. <laughs> you guys can thing. just. You guys can just congratulate me on continuing with Dreadnought Dominion. I yes. was going to make a pun like that at the end. <laughs> well, Gary, we, we can't wait to uh, to uh, see what, what you do next. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> so, Bill, <laughs> would you like to, to take us out? <clears throat> thank you for listening for another convoluted episode oh of this uh, confounded podcast. This has been The Final Frontier, a Trexphere production. Special thanks to our guest Gary Davis for making some pretty awesome films, and we look forward to seeing the rest. You can find them on YouTube. Is there any other place? Do you have like a special website you have all your films gathered at, or is it just YouTube? Yeah, we, we've got a website. It's uh, dominionmedia.us, and uh, that's got all of Dominion Media's uh, offerings, Dreadnought Dominion, um, uh, Excalibur Logs, uh, Renegades, and uh, we also have um, What Lies Beyond, which is an anthology series. It has nothing to do with Star Trek, and uh, What Lies Beyond is, is total Randy Ren. So, yeah, visit dominionmedia.us and uh, see everything that we have. Like and follow us on Facebook. Uh, check us out on YouTube and in the iTunes store. Tune in to Gary Davis's stuff. He's got some good shows coming, and we look forward to seeing more of those. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs>